Before you is a bouquet, or at first it looks like one. It is somehow upside down. The pink and white petals surrounding the red ripe bulbs and blooming yellow insides draw the eye until you see the tongue. Or is it a petal? Above it, an eye, and above there are two petals in the shape of ears. You can see the white teeth and the shadow of a nose cavity. This is not a bouquet at all. It's a skeleton. The skeleton of a dog that has been skinned in an array of lightly colored flowers and bulbs. What you took as more white flowers is a rib cage, and there at the bottom are the shining white bones of its paws and claws. The dog has been drawn onto its toes as if hunting prey, the colors of its new flesh only able to camouflage it in the bright tulip fields of Denmark. Is something a bouquet if it is also something else? That depends on how you frame it. Today on the How You Frame It podcast, we have artist Cedric Laquiez. Cedric is a master of assemblage. He will be taking us through the origin story of how he began creating his signature fairies and how they have evolved. While art is a means of expression to Cedric, he also emphasizes the work in artwork. So, like his fairies, he too has evolved as an artist and as a collaborator. As a quick reminder, we have links to the art we talk about in the description of the podcast. Please enjoy my interview with Cedric Laquiez. Today on the How You Frame It podcast, we are honored to speak with Cedric Laquiez. Cedric is a sculptor whose materials materials are always changing and always diverse. From floral memento mori to fairies made from pieces of insects, a huge welcome to Cedric. Hi, Hi guys. Hi. Hi. It's great to have you. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Yeah. Cedric, may you break your life thus far into chapters for us and... Perhaps if you could, what would each chapter be titled? Just briefly. Well, we can do that really easily per country. Oh, yeah. So chapter one would be America, because that's where I was born. I'm from Los Angeles, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was born in Tarzana, um, and I lived there until I was eight. And my mom is Dutch and my dad was French. So we moved there because my dad was a gunsmith, basically. Mm. Uh, and he had, uh, he had his workshop over there. Uh, and at the age of eight, we moved to France because my father wanted to change profession and become a businessman. So then I grew up in Paris for 10 years. Uh, and that's where I finished my education, of course. And I did my first art school, which was the, the fine arts school in Paris. But it was just evening classes. So I wasn't there full time because I was still quite young. And then at the age of 18, I came to uh, Holland for the first time on vacation. Fell in love with it right away. And now I've been here for more than 20 years. Wow. Which is a blink of an eye. So the three chapters would be Holland, France, uh, America, Holland, and France. Okay. And how much do you remember of your childhood? Not much. You mean, you mean in America? Yeah, in America. Snippets. It's kind of weird. But as you get older, you tend to remember these kind of things. You know, like mm-hmm. you, you get little flashbacks of, uh, mm-hmm. of how the house used to look and stuff like that. Right. But not that much of America. I remember really stupid things like... Um, TV shows or sometimes a commercial will pop in my head or junk food because they don't have ice cream sandwiches here. That's the one thing I miss from America. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. 
But beyond that, most of what I remember starts in, uh, uh, when I was a teenager in France. Could you expand on that a little bit? Well, okay, so when we moved to France, we didn't speak the language. For me, it was easy. I was eight. For my sister, she was 14. And we were basically just thrown into school without speaking the language. And she had to do her final exam in a couple of years. But I, I was lucky enough that I got to, that, you know, I got to relearn everything. But it was really chaotic in the beginning because I remember, you know, I was eight. So they brought me to school and then they put like, a, a you know, four plus four equals and I had no idea what the hell she was talking about. She goes, she gives me the thing and she's like, what you know? And I was like, oh, what the fuck, what the fuck? So the first thing I did is I got the, I got the pencil and I, I turned the four plus four into a dog. And I was like, look, I made a dog. And she's looking at me like, who the hell is this moron? Yeah. So art first, obviously. And uh, yeah, and eventually, you know, everything kicked in. But yeah. Art is a universal language. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Oh, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. But beyond that, yeah, my, my French years, I remember quite a lot. And I miss it fondly. And I haven't been there in a long time, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, well, it's hard to travel anywhere nowadays, obviously. Right. Yeah. Now we dream of going everywhere. <laughs> yeah, right. It's been a long time. Would young Cedric have been proud of the person you became today? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Proud. I think, it, I think he would have laughed. <laughs> he would have laughed a lot. Saying like, oh my god, that's what you're in the... I remember when I was a kid in America, uh, I was obsessed with toys. Mm. And I had a lot of toys. So, I mean, I'm from the 80s, obviously. So now I'm talking like Ninja Turtles and He-Man toys and stuff nice. like that. All of that. Which I still watch now on Instagram if I want to become <laughs> nostalgic. I look at like 80s toys and that kind of stuff. Right. Um, and when I moved to France, we essentially went from doing well financially to being dirt poor. Because the business thing I mentioned earlier, that didn't work out. <laughs> so uh, when we moved there, my dad was like, oh, we're going to live in a chateau and blah, blah, blah. I never saw the damn chateau. Uh, <laughs> and of course, none of the toys, uh, none of the toys happened either because they all got lost in the luggage and blah, blah, blah. So I was in a different country. Couldn't talk to anyone because I didn't know the language. Um, didn't have my damn toys, which were my best friends at the time. <laughs> and then my aunt, so my dad's sister, who was a, um, she was a pedicure in France. Mm -hmm. And she used this clay to take people's uh, feet impression. Oh. And it was a sort of polymer clay that never, that never got hard. So it was soft forever. And so I started playing with that. And then for one day for my first year of birthday there, she gave me like a big, big box of like, kilos of this clay. Mm -hmm. And that's when I started making my own toys because I had nothing to do and no one to talk to. So I would like Harry Potter myself into this little shoe cupboard of a thing. Mm -hmm. And all day long, I would make these little, these little, um, Puppetures, these little uh, these little creatures. Okay. And I made hundreds of them at first, and then thousands of them, and they were everywhere. They were like, oh my gosh, were, yeah, they were not not bigger than that. Mm -hmm. And each of them had a power and could do one thing or could do another. <laughs> and then I started sculpting bigger monsters. And the good thing about that is, I would have battles in that thing, you know, in the in my shoe closet. Yeah. And since my dad was a gunsmith, we had a lot of gunpowder. So the one who would lose the battle, I would just put gunpowder on and light it on fire. And pfft, it would, it would. <laughs> oh my gosh. So I made my own little theater in there. Uh, and funny enough, my bad guy in that world was the thing that would absorb my little creatures and then eventually turn into this giant detailed blob of a thing, which I kept for years. Mm -hmm. And that's what got me into my art academy in Holland. Oh, really? Yeah. They wow. were like, yeah, we want you to bring some stuff that, you, you know, all the stuff that you had since you were a kid. And that was the one thing I had left. So that, in combination with the first fairies I ever made, which was already back then more than 15 years ago, I think, wow. got me into art school here. 
Oh my gosh. Well, I feel like saying congratulations right now. Just, just it's been a long time. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so you did fairies even back then. How did you get the materials for that? Well, I had the materials first. Right. Okay. Um, I always liked small things. Um, so mm-hmm. I always had like a collection of small stones and mm-hmm. and weird oddities of nature, you know, uh, like the, they call it cabinets of curiosity here. I'm sure you yeah. guys call it the same. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I was always a collector of that kind of stuff. Uh, and when I moved to Holland, I found this cute, cute, cute little shop that still exists. I don't know actually if it still exists because you know, everything's closed. So I have, a lot of businesses are closing <laughs> now. Uh, but it was called Stinilux, and they sold all these insects, and I loved them. Really, really small, and it was something that I could afford at the time. So I started buying them as a collection, and already my mind was kind of thinking, I want to do something with it at some point. But yeah, that shop was the, was the beginning of it all. And uh, well, long story short, one day it was my sister's birthday, because she, she lived here at the time, and I had forgotten, and we were watching uh, the new version of Peter Pan the night before. And she just casually says like, oh, I'm excited. It's my birthday. And I just sank. I was like, oh, crap. I totally forgot that it was going to be her birthday. Yeah. And uh, so we were watching Tinkerbell. And then she said something like, oh, I've always wanted to have a Tinkerbell of my own. And I got back to my room like this thinking, oh, crap, 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 crap. Mm-hmm. And I decided, you know what? Screw it. So I took, a, I took the insects and I just popped a couple of them apart. And I used the parts to make a proto fairy that I put in like this old lamp, the oil lamp thing that I, that I had. And that okay. was the first fairy ever. Wow. Yeah. So panic makes perfect. <laughs> panic makes perfect. I like that. <laughs> and also your passion too, or like your love for your sister, right? You're just like, I don't yeah. want to disappoint her. She still has that damn thing. She lives in the Philippines Seriously? now. Seriously? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What? And it was wow. really poorly put together too, because I didn't know what glue to use. <laughs> so yeah, she still has that. And she lives in the Philippines now where it's 40 degrees. So I don't know how that thing is still standing a lot, uh, yeah. standing together, but yeah, she still has it. Oh, wow. Everlasting. Do you remember what kind of insects you use? Uh, no, or I have no clue. Used? I don't know. What that, colors it is or anything? Yeah, it was red and blue, I think. But it was very small because at the yeah. like, first I used to use just one bug for one insect. Okay. Now, now I use like maybe 17 to 20. Everything, yeah. Yeah, they've tripled in size and everything uh, to make them also more like theatrical, etc. Right. I've seen them and they, how do you choose the bases or decide on what base? Um, well now I don't make a custom thing per product that I have. Now I have a lot of products. So I have a lot of materials left over from the years. So I'll take one thing or like one wing and think, okay, what, what matches with this a little bit? And then Mm -hmm. before you know it, the composition starts working on itself. I mean, you've done so many too. I bet it's just. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I try to make like a, like two or three series per year. And they have to be like shipped in different places and yeah. The only problem is right now, most of my, my requests are coming from America and I can't ship to America. Oh, you can't. Oh, that's right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. It's Ooh, organic materials. So you have to have like, there's all these custom right. laws and stuff, but yeah. So that's, that's one of my biggest problems at the moment. Wow. Soon you'll be able to release your fairies to America. <laughs> well, what I'm thinking is once slash if this all blows over, uh, I want to do like, um, uh, what do you call that? Not an internship, but uh, a residency. Yeah. So try to work for a place there and then build a whole collection over like a month or a month and a half mm-hmm. and then leave and then come back when everything is sold again to make a right. new one. And also, I haven't been there in a long time. I moved back to New York when I was 18 mm-hmm. uh, just for fun. And also, like, I wanted to move to New York. Mm-hmm. And after nine months, hated it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, everything is so expensive here and I can't get a job. 
Um, but yeah, eventually I want to, I, I would love to do more exhibitions in America. Ooh, that would be great. Where would you like to go for that? What's your I, dream for that? I don't know. I, I really have no idea. I think Los Angeles would be the first thing to come to mind because that's where I get most of my, um, my requests mm. from. Okay. I got a lot of requests from Chicago as well and Texas. And I've never been to Texas. But also, you know, when I was younger, I wanted to see cities and be impressed with that kind of stuff. Now I can't get far enough away from cities. So Texas sounds nice because I'm, I'm imagining just you know, landscapes and nature. And I think, yeah, that's what right. I would like to see at the moment. Me too. I've always wanted to go to Arizona for that reason and Utah, even though it's so hot. But I yeah. To. yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Well, you guys are based in, in Los Angeles now, right? Um, no, I'm in Mount Shasta, California. So oh. very, very, very north. Lots of trees. Oh, that's nice. What's the mountain. Guess? Yeah, so that's what yeah. I'm talking about. Yeah, that kind of stuff. It, it's it's amazing. There's waterfalls. There's that are literally like 15 minutes away. Large uh, lakes, large bodies of lakes. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. Because I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Holland, and I live in the north of Amsterdam now, which is close to like nature preserves and stuff like that. It's a beautiful right. country, but it's flat. There's not a single ounce of volume in the entire land. So I mean, just the idea of seeing a mountain again, I would go nuts. <laughs> Ooh, you'll love it. Maybe it'll be meditative for you. Yeah, there you go. Or the opposite, you'll just run and run and run and run. Oh, no, I never run. No, no, no. Oh, no, you don't run. <laughs> yeah. I wish I could again. <laughs> no, here we do everything by bike, so that's already a work off enough. Oh, yeah. Did you build your own bike or did you buy it? Oh, no, you're crazy. <laughs> I no. don't know. Cyclists no, no. are interesting. That's a good idea, actually. I would, I would love to do something like that. Um, no, no, here is, come on, are you kidding me? This is, it, it rains more bikes than, than water here in, in this country. So honestly, really? you can get a bike anywhere. Yeah. Wow. We have parkings of bikes here that are, that are stories high next to the central station. It's really weird to wow. see. That's really good though. Yeah. For the environment. When did you, when you were doing these things as a child, did you consider them art as a child or were you just playing? Um, I was, I was just, I was basically playing my mom, who was an artist as well. She's always been um, a portrait maker and a painter. Mm -hmm. She saw it as art. So she was always the one to push and push and encourage me. Mm -hmm. Um, but when I, when I was a kid, I always wanted to do monsters and that kind of stuff, which I still technically am stuck with, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and she was like, no, I want you to learn classic, uh, classic stuff. So at like 17 or 18, I was going to the, to the fine arts Academy, um, every Monday to do like nude classes and learn Mm. drawing in proportion but and I liked it I really did but that little monster thing always was scratching in the back of my mind and now she made her peace with it and she really really likes it but yeah initially <laughs> yeah initially it was a bit of a struggle between us what was it like growing up with an artist mother um well m both of my parents were crafty because like I said my dad was a gunsmith um, and he made everything. He made every steps of the gun. So he would make the wood carvings and the barrels and the blah, 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 and the engravings. Which is an art in itself, yeah. Yeah, it was an art in itself. So it was fun to watch him work with his hands. And my mom, on the contrary, was very delicate. She still she still to this day draws, um, but very classically trained, etc. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, my sister, who was completely non-artistic whatsoever and very analytical and very smart, was into just education. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of stuck in between all of those things, you know between my sister listening to opera and classic music, my mom who was into religion and classical art, and my dad who was just hardcore rock and roll and guns and yeehaw, even though he was French. Um, so yeah, okay. and in between all of those things together, I really found my love of making things with my hand. You're kind of like the fairy with all the different pieces. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> you had um, described your fairies as 
dangerous in one of your interviews or in one of your texts. Uh-huh. Why did you describe them as dangerous? Well, because I think, I, okay, the idea when I started falling in love with the idea of the fairies, and it's also the reason that I made them um, using these materials, because, of course, by now I could do the same thing with 3D printing and Chrome and blah, blah, blah. Right. But I don't like the idea of that. I tried I tried something like that before, and I was like, the, the charm just died in me. Right. Because using the, using the real materials makes the product look as if it could just fly away from one second to the next. So it, it brings it into reality. But it's very different than the dainty little, you know, woman with wings kind of a thing. It hasn't been, been they have claws, they have, uh, they have this exoskeleton kind of a thing. It makes them more real. And I always thought if, you know, so like sometimes they'll talk about an urban legend and then all of a sudden they'll find the actual creature or the inspiration for the creature. Yeah. I thought this is a good base for fairy mythology as well. Like I can imagine, I, I can imagine a conqueror going to a different land in a time where there are no cameras, et cetera, and then finding a weird bug and coming back and, you know, <laughs> misinterpretation to misinterpretation, the legend of the fairies are born. Mm-hmm. But like I said, they're not, they're not like, they're not sweet little creatures. They do look like they could take your eye out. They do. <laughs> they really do. And I'm expanding a little bit in that world as well. I've been making now um, the flower sculpture series as well. Yeah. And uh, this year, I really want to kick it harder. And uh, I'm going to start working on four or five different series as well. Also from wearable stuff, which has nothing to do with that. But also, I want to make something that's inspired by birds. uh, One inspired by fish. One inspired by breathing creatures. Hopefully, this year is going to be the year where I get a lot of stuff done. It's a whole ecosystem. I like it. Yeah, yeah, the world is getting bigger. <laughs> As the outside world is getting smaller, my inner world is getting bigger. <laughs> Your flower sculptures. Yeah. How did you come across that that concept? Uh, that was my end exam for the, my, the art academy that I did in Holland. Oh, okay. It's, it was called the Rietveld Academy. Uh, and basically you had to choose a direction and I couldn't choose mine. So I ended up in theater design Okay. and I hated theater. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I really didn't get along because I didn't understand what, what, what they were asking about me for concepts. Mm-hmm. So, and it was a very, very art conceptual school. So they would say, okay, today you're going to do something and the, the theme is blue. So then I would make something blue and then they would say, it's too literal. I'm like, you just, you just asked me to make something blue. What the I'm talking about <laughs> so at the end i was like you know what screw it i'm gonna stop trying to please my teachers and they they just gave me a theme which was midsummer night dream okay yeah yeah and so i made a bunch of fairies because you know mm-hmm. and yeah. then a big painting in the back it was like a, it was a triptych painting from like two by five meters mm-hmm. big guy full of gold leaf and everything and then uh for puck who was the fairy in mid the the trickster fairy in mid, midsummer night's dream i went through this whole mental thing of i imagined fairyland and then what would be the predator in Fairyland where it's all flowers and stuff like that? And so it's, I got a human skeleton, actually, okay. fake one, a plastic one, yeah. <laughs> and then put it in like this animalistic <laughs> position and covered it with flowers and changed the teeth so that like, it was very taxidermy-ish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was the first one, too. And it was like the center centerpiece of, uh, of my uh, graduation exam. Wow. Yeah, I was really happy with it. And it got sold in the graduation exam, too. So I was like, yeah. Really? Wow, yeah. that's amazing. <laughs> wow. And so you've most recently done a, a goat. Is that a goat? Yeah. It's like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I gave it a Latin name, Capra, okay. the goat. Capra. Yeah, and I okay. like it. I think it works better at that size too. Yeah, it's it's pretty large scale. How big is it is exactly? 
Uh, well, uh, with the base included, it's about a meter seventy high. Okay. And about let's say fifty, yeah, forty-five to fifty centimeters uh, in length. I'm enamored by the beauty, but I'm also a little bit frightened by their the the positions that you've composed them in. They're just so um, <laughs> still. Thank you. <laughs> amazing. I like to. I mean, I like to spend time looking at them. Mm-hmm. It's like different. I have a lot of different feelings when I'm looking at them. Hey, I, job well done. Yeah, it's yeah. really, really interesting. <laughs> I I actually found you through Facebook. <laughs> it's just weird. It was just someone had reposted your work, and then once one person reposted your work, a bunch of people that I knew posted reposted your work. And I'm like, I'm going to check this person out. And uh, it cool. happened to be one of your your Memento Mori flower um, skeleton animal mm-hmm. sculptures. And I, it's just hard to not stop scrolling sometimes. And Oh, great. So well, thank you awesome. for having, making well, me stop and think for a little bit. <laughs> well, that's it's it's always a theme that I'm going to be playing with because it's it's a theme that's very close to me, and I like it's it's not something that I chose for a first ground, but it, it kept on coming back and back oh, over and over and over. So then mm-hmm. I figured it's, I'm just you know I'm I'm just going to go with it. Why why fight what comes right. naturally? Mm-hmm. But the next couple of series I'm going to be working on are also going to have a very un, uh, very heavy undertone of that as well. There's a piece that I'm working on at the moment, which is a a, a, a cow skeleton that I got. Mm-hmm which I'm also turning into like this big mirror kind of a structure. I can send you early photos of that if you'd like as well. Um, but it always comes back because it's one of my favorite themes. What What do you think your fascination with the life-death realm is? Well, I mean, uh, Memento Mori is also, it was a big movement uh, in the arts after the, Renais- uh, after the Renaissance, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And those are always the ones when I was studying art that I liked the most because of the, the, the dark aspect of it and... There was something inviting in the fact that it was threatening. You know what I mean? There's something yes. dangerous about Renaissance art, <laughs> which is kind of nice. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it keeps on coming back. And I don't know if it's a fascination with death itself, but mm-hmm. rather rather the opposite, right? Or a celebration of life through death. Okay. And also, yeah. we 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 keep on uh, we keep on mentioning or talking about death as if it were an absolute taboo, mm-hmm. even after hundreds of thousands of years of our, of our <laughs> evolution as a species. We're just like, oh no, don't don't talk about that. And that bothers me in the sense that everyone treats death as if it was some sort of defeat, mm. and I don't like that because that means we all lose in the end. You know what I mean? Right. As where that's not really the case. I think there's something beautiful about the cyclical aspect of it. And for instance, when I when I work with bones, I was going to say when I play with bones because <laughs> that's how I think about it. But when I play, when I when I work with bones, I don't see the creepy aspect of it. I just look at the architecture, and the architecture of a skeleton is really an amazing thing. It is. If you think about something dying and decomposing into it, you lose a whole bunch of the poetry of the fact that you have, if you work about it from the other way around, from the inside out, it's really mm-hmm. a fascinating thing. It's right. it's it's really pure architecture. It's what people are fa- are basing most of their designs on the moment now too. I see it happening in architecture mm-hmm. and in fashion. Everything is getting very very organic, and people are are going back to the whole you know fascination of natural constructs. Right. And I couldn't be more uh, I couldn't be more happy with it. They even look at the behavior of animals and insects and the way different. Um bacteria behaves to find out you know yeah, yeah, yeah. what to do the, i love watching that as well the, the cellular movements of one thing absorbing the other it's it's violent and it's beautiful and it's really everything that you can expect within any movie or play or opera it's or or, or even literature you know it's it, it's all of it put in one right. <laughs> it's the drama it's, it's, 
I mean, it's hard to accept change sometimes. Maybe that has to do with a little bit of it. Yeah, yeah, I think that's basically it. I think it's also that there's a very big element of wanting to be in control all the time. And there's right. nothing less controllable than the idea of of, of, an, uh, of an ever close coming death. You know what I mean? It's something that we know right. we can't avoid, but want nothing to do with at the same time. And it makes right. a huge struggle of how we're going to live our lives, too. It's true. And I don't find them creepy, though, the flower skeleton things. I really, I really want them to be ecstatic rather than terrifying. But they can be both. That's fine. I'm also good with that. I can feel that. I can definitely feel that, especially with the color choices that you used. It's very celebratory. I can actually see now more that you talked about it, the way that their mouths are very wide open. It could be like a, like a huge welcoming. (laughs) Yeah, I wanted, I I kind of wanted it to be um, as if you could hear it by looking at it. I I can, I can imagine that. (laughs) Definitely. You have to see them live one day. Yeah, definitely. They look much better live. Yeah. Do you have any great accomplishments that you feel are accomplishments, not just like on a resume or anything that you would like to share? You mean outside of the art world? Or... It could be either, either, whatever you'd like to mention. No, I, I, I don't really, I, maybe I, I, on the spot like this, I have nothing. I got, I got nothing for yeah, you. No worries. Yeah. But I've been asked the question before and I've, um, I always kind of like to think that my biggest accomplishment is the one I haven't done yet. Okay. So that it's still coming. You know, I love everything that I've done up until now, Mm -hmm. but I'm really curious to see what's going to happen next or, or where it can lead into. Cause as much as I've always liked being a sculptor, I'm not married to the idea of being, uh, of being just a sculptor. I also want to do, and I've experimented also with doing wearable stuff Mm -hmm. or I have no talent for like music or animation or any of those things, but (laughs) jewelry kind of thing, or, you know, garments or I don't, We'll see how it goes. I always have new ideas. I have books and books and books. I'm one of those guys so who has these. Oh, and you sketch. Yeah, and every day I'll sketch an idea. And some of them take the dust for 10 years. or And then all of a sudden I'll open the book and an idea from 10 years ago will combine with another idea that I just had last week and then turn into something completely different. Yeah, and, but I, I, yeah, the last couple of years I've been working a lot. Uh, not on art, but just, you know, the slide jobs, paying the rents and, and right. stuff like that. And I figure with the world, with the way that the world is going now, it's really a kind of now or never um, kind of a, mo- uh, a moment. Now we're all a bit in a dead zone and you can just get depressed about it. And God knows I have, and I'm sure you have as well. Same. Yes. Yeah. It gets, it's, it gets lonely, even though, you know, I have a partner. Right. It gets, it, it gets lonely seeing the world so empty. So I figured at the same time, maybe now is a good time to start rewriting a whole bunch of stuff. Right. I mean, the world is shifting. Yeah. If this wouldn't have happened, it's just pushing us to do all different kinds of things that may have never happened before. It's- exactly. And I see it happening a lot on Instagram, like people that I'm following as well. Like the first, uh, in the first wave, everyone was just like, okay, let's do collaborations. Let's get excited, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And a bunch of it happened, but uh, a whole bunch didn't. And then in the beginning of the second wave, I could feel it because, you know, now it's off so. The first was was in the summer. Right. So at least you could go out and go into the woods. <laughs> now there's mm-hmm. nowhere, nothing to do, nowhere to go. No bars are open. There's no socializing, socializing whatsoever. But this new kick that I'm talking about is really something that only kicked in in the last two weeks. Right. But I'm ready. <laughs> All right. All right. Yeah. Just ride on that wave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll see how long it can go. <laughs> or where, or where, where I'll turn up actually. Which beach, yeah. which beach I'll crash onto. <laughs> Well, um, I was, while I was re- researching you, I 
It took a really long time because I kept wanting to read more and more about you. And I found your um, collaboration with Iris Van Herpen in 2013. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this makes total sense to me. There's That's just the perfect duo right there because... Well, I'm going to work for her again in two months. You are? Wow, mm -hmm. congratulations. Not, a, not on a garment this time, but um, yeah. one of the photographers that works with her wants to make a series of photos that'll be a story. Okay. And funny enough, it's with a new collection of dresses. That she, I mean, that woman is insanely talented. She, right? And oh also the worst is that she's really nice. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, oh God, I'm going to get there and it's going to be like this, this Uber, you know, this, this, <laughs> this mean, hardcore fashionista. And right. Couldn't be the couldn't be sweeter, like super Dutch. So at some point in the first day, we ended up just having peanut butter sandwiches on the dock next to her workspace. <laughs> and oh my god, if you saw her workspace, you it'll kill you. It's the way this woman minds, the way her mind works is just is just insane. And in the next photo project, uh, she, the, her photographer wants to have um, the main model wearing the dress mm -hmm. and going into the forest and can't find a lover. So she starts taking insects and then makes a lover out of her insects. Perfect. So I was like, That's well, you guys, yeah, thank God for, thank God you found me. I'd be pissed <laughs> off if you chose somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, I really was just so nerding out about it because she is like at the forefront of fashion because she's so innovative in a way that other fashion designers are. And now that you tell me that, you know, she's nice and everything, it's just like the, it, it just dispels the myth of fashion designers in general. She just breaks the ceiling in every way. Yeah. Is. And she's really, like I said, she's really sweet and she, she's not, she's a, I don't want to be too rude. She's a really hard worker. Yeah. Like I was talking to her about, you know, how much does she work? And she goes like, I haven't, I haven't slept since 1974. Right. Um, but she's constantly, constantly working. And what, what kills me is how she always comes up with something completely new. Right. You know, her designs are still very much Iris and Harper designs, mm -hmm. but she'll make up her own materials, you know? I'm like, yeah. That's, that's amazing you, to me. Do you hope to strive for that sort of thinking? Yeah. Well, doesn't everyone? I mean, it takes real, yeah, it, yeah, it takes real balls to, to, to just to, to innovate everything on your own. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I, I'm really, really looking forward to working for her again. And I always like the idea of doing collaborations. It doesn't really matter who, who it is. I found a couple of other um, mm -hmm. fashion designers in Berlin who want to do something as well, right. making headdresses and headsets and stuff Ooh, like yeah. that. And that's kind of more in my uh, in my my comfort zone. It's, it's right. something I know how to do. Like you give it's me a, a bit sewing theater, machine. It sounds like. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah. You give me a sewing machine. I'll sew my fingers together before I get a garment finished. You know, <laughs> no telling with fabric whatsoever. Right. But collaboration. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, collaborations, always. Yeah, and then you always come up with new ideas. At least I do every time I collab with someone different. Yeah, I yeah. Just think about things a little differently. Yeah, up until now. And also what I like about the collaboration idea is if you work in close proximity with somebody who's a professional in their own fields, you're going to learn something anyway. Always. You're going to learn from like a goldsmith the same way as, as, as somebody who makes garments or a painter. It's just nice to be like on a one-on-one -on -one where you can see somebody working, go like, oh, that just gave me the best idea for something completely different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also because of the whole Instagram thing, the world has relaxed a little bit more when it, when it comes to art and design. Also, the, you know, cultural influences like Lady Gaga, for instance, or all these people that were completely over the top, it made people relax a little bit. And now everyone's a bit more open-minded as far as you know, what can be acceptable and the lines have blurred a little bit in between what's like high art or what, yeah. what can be shown in galleries. And I like that too. I think it's time for it. 
and the galleries are kind of dying out as it is like the, the instagram the, the the instagram generation of artists is, is a very very different type of thing everything is a bit more figurative and accessible and I, yeah i really like that it is me too i feel like it it's time <laughs> yeah it's time for yeah exactly it's it, there's it's always time for new innovation yeah but that's a really really hard thing to come by it is how would you describe your your actually you know what you already kind of described what your present state of mind is you're really trying to expand on past projects and make new projects yeah and i think also what's what's really important for for uh like younger artists mm-hmm. um is this like, like what i was saying with, with my art academy before is to stop trying to make a place in the world you know like a lot of when, when, when you're a young artist you have teachers of course and they try to guide you but it's it's it can be um it can be a, bis- a big misconception to say you have to go in this direction like when i was in art school there was a girl um who was into cosplay okay and it was very very pretentious theater kind of stuff you know like my my, my oh, i'm getting company for my cat um <laughs> My teachers were very like old school art theater, <laughs> etc. <laughs> and they hated what she made because she wanted to make like these big Sailor Moon dresses with the wings and stuff like that. And it was really well crafted too, so I really liked it. But they gave her crap to the very, very last moment. And now she turned out to be one of the best ones of the most successful ones of that of that year of work as well. She's uh, she made the wings for Victoria's Secret. She worked on the Lord of the Rings, uh, the, the new series that they're working on right now. So that's what I'm saying. It's the, the old way of thinking about what's acceptable or approachable in art is, is changing. And I like that. Right. Me too. I feel like I fit right in for looking for those types of things. Cause but what is it that you do exactly? You have to show me links of what you make. Okay, I will. Did you make the peewee that I'm seeing behind you? <laughs> no, this is uh, someone that I really admire. <laughs> okay. Um, it's pretty, pretty awesome. See, that's the kind of stuff um, that gives me huge flashbacks. I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that couch. I haven't <laughs> thought about that in maybe 20 years. I know. I should start interviewing on a couch like that, like Cherry. Oh, interview peewee. I, I would watch that. Oh, yeah. Dude, that, that's totally my goal. I would like to <laughs> is he still doing yeah. stuff? No, no, right? Oh, yeah, he had a um, movie a couple yeah, years actually, ago. Social media, he, he is on. I've looked. Oh, I'm going to put him on Instagram later. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. He's always doing some like uh, retrospectives or like flashbacks and stuff with the, the cast and everything. So Yeah, he was uh, he was really young. He started his show in the wrong generation. I know. One generation later, he would have been a super, super star. I know. Now he's just a legend. <laughs> yeah. Well, now no one knows about him anymore because of... <laughs> I know. Well, now they do. We just talked about him. He's, he's alive again. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's not. No one knows about him here. Really? He never really made it I through Europe. I imagine if I showed them, it'd probably be pretty wacky. Yeah. Yeah, they'd be like, "What the hell is that?" It was just an American thing. Yeah, yeah, I think it was really. Okay. Well, um, let's see. A couple more questions. Um, we have about ten to fifteen more minutes okay. to Maybe. fill. <laughs> Can you describe a piece of art that made you cry or that that moved you? Uh... Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that moves me. Um, or like, you want the name of the artist as well and everything? Um, yeah, and if you can't remember right now, we can just you know talk later. Uh, at the moment, I really like Anselm Kiefer, even though I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name correctly. He makes these giant, very warlike landscapes and adds all these sticks and paints, and it's very thick. And I, the first thing, like the first time I saw that live as well, it's very over. It's it's overwhelming because you feel very small and. The size of his stuff just pulls you into this world that he uh, that he just painted. 
So that I thought was very moving. Um, I'm also a huge fan of the Belgian artist Jan Fabre. Okay. He's a theater maker, but I don't like his theater because I don't like him. <laughs> but his sculpting work is really cool too. It's very polished, very very precise. He was also one of the ones who inspired me because he worked a lot with uh, insects as well. Okay. But he made entire cathedral ceilings out of just the shells of these green insects, which is very small. Wow. Yeah, so you can imagine making something on that scale. Yeah. It's an yeah. And also, it's such a nice contrast when you see that live because you're looking at something purely organic and something that's purely like the, 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 the structure of the church, you know, with the very dark colors. Right. Also, beautifully enough, we have also in Europe old cathedrals and they have that, that, that feeling of that smell of centuries of existence. Mm. And then you see something that's modernly made but fits in perfectly. It's almost completely seamless. And I love that as a contrast as well. Well, there's probably a lot more, but... Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, Iris and Harper. There you go. Oh yeah. Didn't put tears in my eyes, but I was, I was really, just, I, really I, I could stare for hours. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Do you think a lot of the art that you're drawn to um, says something about you? Yeah, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't care. That would, that's, that's, that's what answer, I'm. Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm talking about earlier. When I was saying, you know, to young artists, don't don't yeah. worry about trying to find your space. Right. Because everyone has an opinion and they're going to have an opinion to your face or they're going to have an opinion behind your back. It doesn't matter whatsoever. Absolutely. But even if you make something without the intention of creating a message, people will do that for you. Mm -hmm. Like I remember going, I hate going to my own exhibitions, for instance. <laughs> oh God, it's always, ugh. <laughs> I find it nerve wracking. And also it's open bar. So you don't talk to me after 20 <laughs> minutes because I'm going to say something really inappropriate. Um, <laughs> But I remember listening to other people talking about what they were okay. do, talking about my stuff. Yeah. And I was like, wow, you guys really went into it. Like this, this, this one older <laughs> couple was like, oh, it's such an interesting car, car uh, comment on Darwinism. And I was Ooh. like, okay, <laughs> yeah, that's great. I'm like, the price tag is right there too. <laughs> but I, yeah, at the, at the point, I just wanted to make something pretty. That's also why yeah. they didn't like me in art school. You're like, what's the message behind it? I'm like, some, you know, there's nothing wrong with making something aesthetic for the sake of the aesthetic of the thing. Okay, yeah. And I'm lucky enough that materials and the way that I design things uh, gets a lot of attention because of the origin of the materials. Right. That being it's said. familiar to people, right? Yeah, it's and familiar. as I'm getting older, I go more and more into the idea of just, you know, stop wondering too much about whether people are going to like, like something or mm -hmm. not. Talking about a world of seven billion people, someone's gonna like what you make for sure. Right, right. Yeah, and now because of Instagram and everything, we everyone has so much more of a platform, so it can be really, really encouraging for a young artist to be able to get the validation of someone he could almost consider their peer, his peers. Right. So I'm really excited right. about that, and I think the world is gonna change a lot with uh, with how art is uh, is being shown. You know, when I was a kid, like street art wasn't that big of a thing. And now we have Banksy. We have all these other illegal artists that are really, really cool. So yeah, all these new platforms never existed before. So it's, right. yeah, it's just a matter of time before something completely drastically new exists. Whole new art period. Yeah. I don't know what they're going to call it. The re-renaissance. <laughs> the re-renaissance. Yeah, I like that. That's true. Renaissance reboot. <laughs> <laughs> what is your Instagram so people can follow you? It's my horribly complicated name. Okay. Cedric okay. Lachiez. Uh, so yeah, it's my name, Cedric, and then Lachiez is L-A-Q-U-I-E-Z. Perfect. And where are some other places that people can find you? Um, 
I, I don't do Facebook that much. I have a website, of course, which is, again, the impossible yeah. name. Uh, I'm doing an exhibition in Holland at the moment. Well, I will be doing an exhibition when Holland mm -hmm. reopens in, uh, um, and in Belgium at the moment. I'm doing a thing called okay. Design and Nature in Belgium, which is okay. uh, a taxidermy uh, a, a taxidermy place, kind of a nice, high-end, beautiful one. But they also have an artistic section. Um, okay. Yeah, and then I'm with uh, Van Loon Galleries in Holland. And uh, okay. it's Van Loon slash Royals and Rebels. It has both names. Perfect. Okay. Thank you so much, Cedric. It was great having you. It was my pleasure. It was podcast. a lot more fun. I, I was really nervous, but yeah. It yeah. was absolutely no, my pleasure. Really <laughs> <laughs> this is really really good and yeah it was nice talking to you too and i would love it if you would send me some of your stuff yeah okay yeah i definitely will well you have my email yeah for sure <laughs> okay <laughs> Thanks. well have a nice day guys thank you so much cedric for talking to us today on the how you frame it podcast oh well thank you for having me it was a pleasure thank you bye bye Talking with Cedric made me feel like I was learning about someone that creates life. I know it sounds dramatic, but he does. He assembles insects to make fairy creatures that weren't there before. He reimagines traditional memento mori imagery into brilliant and blooming sculptures. Maybe all artists are creators of life and ideas that weren't there before. I hope Cedric's interview inspired you to reimagine the way you consider creating today. I am Bridgette Rex, and you can find me at SunQueenXIV on Instagram. You can find the How You Frame It podcast on Instagram at How You Frame It, on Twitter at How You Frame It, and on Spotify at How You Frame It. Thanks for listening. Editing and production help is thanks to Aaron Levine. You can find him on Instagram at aquavado underscore toast. That's the V and C of avocado switched around. And then underscore toast. You can also find him on Twitter at Kobudo Justice. Thanks also to John Bafis for creating a theme music. You can find him at johnbafis.bandcap.com and johnbafis.com.